And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to Stars Matter, a recruiting podcast from The Athletic. Tonight, special edition number two. I'm here with Ari Wasserman, Sam Khan, Max Olson, all from The Athletic. Earlier today, Ari and I hopped down for a few minutes to talk about the big news of the day, Arch Manning committing to the University of Texas. Guys, uh, in the world of recruiting, doesn't get much bigger than this. Ari, we talked to you a lot today. I'm going to let the other guys jump in first. Max Olson, I guess not a shock. We saw this, you know, there's a lot of smoke coming out of the weekend, but what was what was your reaction? Ari said earlier he was lying on the couch with his shirt off. I was taking a bite of a chicken parm sandwich for lunch when this happened. What were you doing? Yeah, one of those like rare moments where I wasn't just staring at TweetDeck for like an entire morning. <laughs> so like I think I was late by five, ten minutes and seeing oh. the tweets, um, which doesn't happen very often. So right. That was that was upsetting. I thought the first podcast was the most hyperbolic podcast in the history of <laughs> American podcasts, personally, but is that a compliment? Um, no, it's just that's what we get on Star Matter. That's what <laughs> yeah. we're bringing. So I, I, I look forward to bringing us back down to earth here a little bit uh, with, with now that Sam and I are here to yeah, please um, spit some facts. But no, uh, it was um, I. It's it's funny, like, and you guys hit on it earlier, like when there's a lack of information, like actually coming from Arch and the family, then you get kind of speculation, and I, and I think probably all three sides of this, Texas, Georgia, Alabama, all probably are like feeling pretty good about where they stand as far as they know. Right. In terms of just like, I think we're, I think we've done everything right. I think the visit went well, all that kind of stuff. Um, but I remember even going back to like January, Texas folks were really confident that it was going really well. And so it was hard to know like how real that was. Um, but pretty, uh, pretty incredible. They actually pulled it off. Yeah. And Sam, I'll give you uh, credits, the right word. Cause you know, we didn't really know, but I think we had you on the pod a few months ago, read your stuff. That was the first time where I really thought this Texas has a very good shot because you seem to be getting good vibes from the Texas camp. Yeah, and uh, Max, you were there with me at AFCA in January, mm-hmm. and I think I mentioned to you, I won't say his name because I uh, don't want to out him, but but a certain staffer on at Texas came up to me and said, we're going to get we're going to do better than A&M's class in 2023. Ooh. Like we're going to, that was number one. Number two was we're, and it's, we're going to get Archman into Ruben Owens. Yeah. They've got one of the two Ruben's going to Louisville as of right now. We'll see how that goes in the next six months now that Arch is committed. But, uh, but they, they was a lot of confidence coming from the Texas staff from the outset of this thing. And, and I'll tell you guys, and Ari, I know you've talked to Nelson Stewart as well from the time that Arch visited, uh, Texas back last June, I've I've gotten pretty strong indication from him that they were just knocking out of the park in terms of relationships. Sark and AJ Milwee building the relationship with with Arch Manning, and also not not just staying on top of him, but I think really just feeding into his love for the game and X's and O's. I think during his visit last year, 
uh, Nelson told me that they they sat down with him and went through like install and details and how they do all the stuff offensively. And it sounds pretty you know mundane, but I, I don't know that you have to do that with every recruit. Not every recruit necessarily wants to see that on a visit, but Arch is a different type of recruit. He, he wants to, to be involved in that. He, he's a student of the game. And I think AJ Milwee and Sark kind of fed into that. And, and it was just a perfect match of let's be aggressive and stay on top of him, but let's also – hit all the things that we know he's interested in while also giving him the space to make the decision. All right, before we go to Ari, uh, a little housekeeping here. T- Texas is class. I didn't even think about looking this up earlier. Texas's class is eight commits. It's up to, up to number 19. That Don't worry about that because that's only eight commits. Six of the eight are top 300. Two top 100 players, Arch and wide receiver Ryan Niblett from Houston. Average player rating is 92.07, which is sixth behind Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia. Uh, um, I have UCLA. That's not UCLA. Um, and Notre Dame. So I'm who, who's my typo, though, uh, there. Uh, I'll have to figure that out. Might but be so, USC because they're yeah, 92 points. Yeah, USC. I can't type. Yeah. Um, Ari, so after you put a shirt on, what was your – what was your quick reaction to that? I was uh, not the name draft, <laughs> but I was like interviewing Mike Elko about oh, recruiting right. to do. Oh yeah, we talked about this. this. Ari had to break the news <laughs> to Mike Elko that he did not get. No, I, that didn't happen. It was right after we hung up. But um, you know, this is like a world record for the longest I've gone on a podcast. And I was speaking. I this is going to be a highly rated show, I think. Uh, yeah. The uh, the reaction to me is just like you know, for all the jokes and all the things that people like to say about texas like it has juice you know like and even if it's been down and you know they inexplicably lose to kansas or they go five and seven i mean it is a brand that carries weight you know it's not like he he committed to some random team that's never won anything like i mean this is a a program that by and large was at the top five jobs in america on every national writers list for the past 15 years until until recently so you know there there are two types of recruits i think um at least ones that I, I've come across in my career when they're this this highly regarded. And it's one, players who are most interested in going to a machine that they think is going to pump them out, which is great. It's probably what I would do. And going to a place, B, as, as somebody who's going to forge their own path and do something different. So if Arch Manning actually goes to Texas, you know, when this is all said and done, and I anticipate that he will, um, becomes a starter there, leads them to a playoff, and becomes the number one overall pick in the draft, I think that you could make the case that that's one of the most remarkable things any single recruit has probably done. You know, And the fact of the matter is is that this individual commitment is as important to Texas as any commitment has ever been to any program ever. But I'm super excited to see what this means for guys like John Tay Cook and for Ruben Owens down the line and, and, and these guys in Texas that are you know, top 100 players that, hey, might take an extra visit to Texas now because of, of what this means. So to me, I think it's a bombshell in the best possible way for Texas. And, you know, I, I've been humiliated over and over again <laughs> in this feed talking about how I think Texas is, uh, you know, a better ceiling than Oklahoma and how I don't understand why they don't win 11 games every year. But it's just like I'm going to refrain from saying Texas is back. But like this is like the first major step to having legitimate conversations about the direction they're at. Am I am Max is shaking his head like don't fall for it? Like I, I don't I, know. I just think like the fog of fatherhood and like all we've gone through <laughs> in the past year. I think you're forgetting you've said these literal exact words about Quinn Ewers committing to Texas. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Not not very long ago, which he ended up decommitting from, but I feel like it's the exact same script. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well now they've got both. So it, let me tell you this right now. The two saviors do they cancel each other out? One of these two is that guys like a double negative? If one of these two guys doesn't make it, 
if they both go there and they turn into, you know, middle of the road guys or transfer guys in Texas, I will if never Malik even Murphy's watch Texas better than again. those guys. For yeah, Malik yeah. Murphy. Well, actually, yeah. Yeah, this is all said and done. Malik Murphy just turns into yeah. uh, Dante Culpepper and just yeah. you know mashes people. That'd be great. <laughs> but if like one of the guys that are on this roster right now are headed to this roster, don't do it. Then at what point do you just hang up the phone? And just like this is never going to happen because like is this the first time in recruiting history? And, and rec- correct me if I'm wrong. If a the number one overall player in the country as a quarterback went to the same school. As a you know, the number one player and quarterback, I I think this might be, uh, and I don't know. Oh, yeah, that's a good question. I, and I also don't know too, like uh, how you look at it because he technically is a twenty twenty one kid now. I think, but he should be a twenty two kid. Yeah, the reclassifying made a huge yeah. difference in this too. I'm not sure Texas would be in this at the end for Arch if Quinn hadn't made that unusual move that he did to get that yeah. class apart from him. Um, Kombucha tea money. I do think you're right, Ari. Like honestly, I will say. I think that um, you have to like take it for, for what it is. Like we'll see if they can, I, I think that th- there's a whole separate discussion of like, what can Arch do for Texas now that he's committed? And I think that's really interesting. I do think today is a, it's a, a big ass statement that the Manning family believes in Steve Sarkeesian and, and yeah. probably you should too. You know what I mean? I think that that is going into year two. And I, and I understand that the fan reaction in a lot of cases is like, well, what about five and seven? What about Kansas? Like, come on, it's a joke, whatever. I, I think it's pretty telling that they really do. And, and look, all of this is there's, there's a lot of salesmanship to all of this. Right. And I'm sure that Georgia and Alabama and all them, everybody puts their best foot forward. Clemson was in this a year ago, all that. It, it's interesting to me that they determined, um, you know, that like Texas, I don't know, Sam, from, from based on reading your story, it seemed like at the end of the day for Arch, Texas checks like 22 of the 25 boxes, basically, in terms of what they were looking for here. Um, it seems like they did a, did a good job from the start of start getting there, of kind of getting all getting their house in order to go win this recruitment. Um, and now it's like you're going to get the talent. You're, you're, they've got the facilities. They're going to the SEC. Like it, it, Now it's just going to come down to coaching and culture. You know, you, Can Sark do enough in year two to inspire confidence? But I think even just pulling this off probably does buy time at a place where you need to have time. I, I'm going to say this slowly, and I want everybody to, to hear it. Has there been a recruit that has had more knowledge, more wisdom, more money, more resources, more anything to explore recruiting to the fullest potential in terms of getting to the very bottom layer of every school that he's considering. If there has been, it's equal. No one's had more resources. And yeah, after he, his family, they're not going to send him to a place where they don't believe yeah, that they know what they're doing. It's not just, you know, the ability to travel to see places. It's people who understand the quarterback position better than anybody on the face of the earth. And after all of this exploration and all of these visits and everything that he did in order to get to this point, while also not really talking about it much, just, just focusing and, and, and learning and, and coming up with a way to, to feel comfortable. He decided that Texas was the best place for him. Texas is the best place for him. And then maybe that's because of relationships. And I know that that's important, but what statement does that make for the program when they're selling every other player that they're going to recruit moving forward? 
the it, most it, hyped. We're not, we're not like, especially in this time we're in right now, he's not going to Texas because they're like, this is our way to achieve generational wealth. They've already got that, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Money. It's not about this is the this is the place we can go where he can maximize value. This is the place where he feels like he can maximize his success. Yeah, it's it's. I think it's a really good combination of, of everything. I think, like you said, I, I go back to the Sark part, and, and you mentioned Max Sark, being able to do this recruitment, but he also did the same thing with yours. When he got the job at Alabama, that was kind of priority number one was get Quinn Ewers, and he got really close to doing it. And if the NIL thing doesn't happen, Quinn might have flipped and just signed there right out of high school. Yeah, but sure. but but the the he had already committed to Ohio State, and there just wasn't enough time for Sark to make up ground. Now he does this with Arch, and, and it's clear whether it's Sarkeesian's history as a quarterback, whether it's his ability or his, his time working with accomplished quarterbacks, whatever it is, you know, his, his time at Alabama with a national championship offense and, and Tua and Mac Jones, uh, all that stuff helps. But it's also, like you said, the other boxes from, hey, you're in, you're in a big city. It's Austin. I, I think he said, Arch said Austin kind of reminded him a little bit of New Orleans, I guess maybe, in, I don't know if it was in a vibe or whatever, but his first visit there, that that really stood out to him. The, the whole campus experience, everything, it all added up for him. And I think that combined with the relationships, combined with, I think, and Ari, you wrote this in your story today in your column, and I agree with it, there seems to be a desire from Arch to separate himself in identity from Archie and Peyton and Eli. He's got the different number. He's going to go to a different school. They're not in the – they'll be in the SEC, but they're not in it yet. This is definitely a different path than – all the other Mannings have gone. And I think maybe that desire to establish his own legacy uh, may be impossible because of his last name, but but at least there's an attempt to it, it seems to be, which I think you astutely pointed out, Ari. I think that plays into all this as well. Is there anything that can derail this? Max, before we got on, we jokingly said, is he going to sign there? I was like, yeah, not, you know, I'd be shocked if he decommitted. I, I guess four and eight. What is there any, all, all three of you guys, what could derail this? Guys, it's Texas. I mean, when <laughs> Quinn Ewers committed to Texas, I um, I didn't anticipate the issue at the time of um, the eyes of Texas or any of that stuff that would kind of come in the months. Like it's you just don't know like what's coming down the road. So like <laughs> I think he will. And 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 then remember, and Ari, you you were leading the charge on this. As soon as Quinn Ewers decommitted, it was Tom Herman needs to be fired, right? So it's like um, I think that. Uh, I, I'm sure I, I don't doubt that that uh, at, at this point in time he's he's going to sign with Texas, but you know stranger things have happened. Obviously, Maybe the Quinn train can derail it. You know, yeah. Just, well, I was like a really funny thought process because um, I, I remember Jared Sidham being committed to Texas Tech. You remember this one, Sam? Jared Sidham oh, was committed man. to Texas Tech, and then freshman Patrick Mahomes blows up at the end of the year, and then all of a sudden, hmm, I could go somewhere else. That might be a good idea. But I actually know? think that you could make the case that the best possible scenario for Texas is that Quinn is awesome this year. Yes. Because if yes. Quinn is awesome yes. this year, then it hit. Um, he lays the foundation of, of a building it's, program. It's the right runway he needs. It's yeah. the right, and then he, then you can feasibly say, "Hey, he's got only one more year left here because he will go to the NFL." If if we learn anything from Kombucha Tea, it's that <laughs> we're going to be going to the NFL the second that we have a chance. And you know, if he's actually an awesome player and and, and kind of lives up to the billing of what he was supposed to be, then Arch has an actual, you know, it involves sitting a year, but 
you know, I, I think that he has an at, actual pathway in his head that he can see clearly of to the field. And I think sitting for a year is a pretty reasonable thing to ask if you think that that's the right place. So the thing I don't know what happens, what if Hudson Card, co- you know, comes out and he plays above average football to the point where they win eight games. He's not bad enough to bench. Uh, Quinn isn't fully enough down the line yet to to take that job. And Texas just has a, a mediocre year. And then you go into next year and it's a head-to-head battle between two players who have never thrown a, a pass or, you know, whatever. Quinn has mop-up duty in some games his freshman year. I think that is more dangerous for Texas. Trust me, guys. I watched the Cardale-Jones-JT Barrett battle live in, in front row seats with one of the best coaches that college football has ever seen, and he messed that up beyond comprehension. <laughs> I cannot imagine at Texas with a coach that is still trying to get things going uh, and then two of the most high-profile recruits of all time, like how that would go. So I think Texas is probably praying for Quinn to be good. Well, y'all, y'all talk about Hudson Card like he's Stetson Bennett or something. Like he's he was yeah, a top five QB in his class yeah. too. Like he's still it's not open. He's got there. talent. There's no question about talent with Hudson Card. He can spin it. Guys have seen it. It's just a matter of can he translate into games and can can he do it consistently? I, th- you and err on the Malik side. Murphy of stays. Two. Oh sure. Malik, sure. Malik's got a foot injury. He's still getting over. But yeah. Uh, but. You err on the side of numbers, and right now, then you it, it, uh, you would figure somebody's going to transfer, but if nobody does transfer when Arch signs on December 15th or whatever signing day is, then you've got four scholarship quarterbacks. You, you know, one of them is probably going to end up leaving at some point, but those numbers work in your favor. All you have to do is be honest and upfront and manage the expectations. I've seen how this can blow up. Max, you remember this, 2015, Texas A&M, Kyle Allen and Kyler Murray. Kevin Sumlin and their, that staff probably managed that as poorly as you possibly could, and both guys transferred out within a week each of each other after the 2015 season ended. And Kyle was a number one quarterback in his class, and Kyler Murray was, of course, number one quarterback in his class. So it can blow up in your face if you don't manage it correctly. So this is on Sark and A.J. Milwee to have a good plan, to be honest and upfront with everybody, and just spell out the expectations and go from there. So I, I don't get the sense, back to your other point, I don't think – there's going to be too much drama about between now and signing day, unless, like you guys said, Texas goes four and eight or something drastically unforeseen happens. I think the way that the Manning family and the Manning camp went through this process, this doesn't feel to me like something that can just change on a whim. They've he's seen all these campuses so many times. He's been to Texas like four or five times. He's been to Alabama and Georgia multiple times. Went through all the official visits. This has all been carefully constructed and orchestrated. So I don't see this as something that. You're going to see him wavering, and we're going to have drama going into signing day. They've already watched Texas go five and seven, right? Yeah. So, right. Uh, barring complete implosion this season, like yeah, I, I, it's not really going to get. It's not going to get worse. I wouldn't yeah. think. You know, you don't all, think so. I don't. All think three so. of us just came up with examples of high-profile quarterback battles that went south. Does anybody have an example of when it worked out? Two top top five or five-star players that came in within a year of each other that. I'm sure USC started USC after one another. Like in recent years, it hasn't gone right at USC. I mean, I guess Mac Jones, but he wasn't a five-star guy. Like, yeah, he wasn't. He was the thing. Like, under the radar. Like, yeah, well, this is the perfect runway. Jalen Hurts and Tua was kind of a mess, but it was managed well because Nick Saban is controls that program, and it you know that that it didn't sabotage anything. It, it would still, be very very interesting to go back and look at the recruiting rankings and see what schools uh, have signed that many five-star players well, we, we've done the research and some of like florida wasn't it john brant like sometimes guys don't pan out so they're not good so there's not 
Yeah. There's not that battle like choosing. Sometimes it's just obvious who you choose. But I want to go over because. But I think if you were to place a bet, you'd place the bet on implosion. And I think that you put yourself (laughs) on a position of like, well, no, it's not. It's not even because it's it's Texas. It's not because it's a it's Texas. It's because it's a very hard situation for anybody to manage. Yeah. So and and, and we and we all the guys that we're talking about before were not as high profile as these two. True. Like, that, like that's, you said, that's the deal. These are two guys, two of the seven guys all time that have a perfect recruiting rating and, was, and came with tremendous amount of hype. Sitting on Ohio State podcasts with Landis for the past year, talking about the perfect segue between Ohio State's uh, C.J. Stroud starting and. Um, uh, Kyle McCord, a five-star quarterback who's the backup and, and Quinn signing and enrolling early. And we're like, okay, well, here's how this is going to all plan out. And it's like, it lasted like literally two months <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> before yeah. somebody left. So, so you yeah. know, I, I did. And Devin Brown wasn't even in the conversation at that yeah, time. Yes. And then they find, yes. go, go find another guy. Yes. It's just, you just keep it. You just keep it going. You just go find the next one. Ari and I talked about this earlier. We speculated that um, Arch was the first number one overall player in the 247 composite that committed to a school that had a losing record in the season prior to his commitment. And I looked it up, and that, is, that is the case. Wow. Jalen Phillips, who Ari brought up, was the eventual number one player in 2017. He committed to UCLA in April of 2016. UCLA went on to have a losing record in 2016, but at the time he committed, he was coming off the previous season, and they had a winning record, if you follow oh, that. That's interesting. Here's yeah. one that's close. Ole Miss went seven and six in 2011, Hugh Freeze's first year, and then signed Robert Kimdiche, among many others. Yeah. And they went set, so seven and six. Um, Doyle Green Beckham was signed off for an eight and five Missouri season last yeah. year in the Big 12. So this is basically unprecedented. Yeah, and, and those were some examples of NIL before NIL, I suppose, a little bit. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm Ole kidding. Miss, are you kidding? Come on. Um, but I, I do think like so part of like the 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 upside here because I agree with you Ari like there's definitely you can talk through a bunch of different scenarios of how this actually goes you know once he gets on campus but I do think there is like the overall net like huge positive for Texas of like Arch Manning is also going to Texas I think because he believes he can get very good players to come to Texas and, and if it were I, I have to think that's really important to him and that he would have gone to Georgia or Alabama if he didn't buy that he can get these guys to to follow him uh, to Texas or at least that Texas can get the talent level. Is it going to be the same as Alabama and Georgia in two years? Probably not, but that but good enough in his his estimation. And, and now I am interested. Now you kind of flip the switch where Arch, who's been very private during all this, but at the same time has been on these OV weekends at these other schools with these big time guys. Like now that he goes into recruiter mode, like what does he line up for Texas? I mean, can they get, you know, John Tay cook and Malik Muhammad and Jaquazi Petaway and Michael Harrison pilot, Cedric Baxter. I think they've got Anthony Hill, the five-star linebacker coming in this weekend. Like I am interested that, that effect of, you know, not just putting together a top five class, but p- potentially chasing top three or number one class. Like, I, I think that no matter how it goes with with Arch Manning in, in Austin, like if he gets all those other guys to Texas, like it's going to make a huge impact. I think. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who are actively searching for a new job might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats, it might not have the time or resources to hire. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions making the process even easier and quicker. 2.5 million small businesses use LinkedIn for hiring, and it's time you join that number. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash CFB23. That's linkedin.com slash CFB and the number's 23 to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And that goes with the timing. We talk, you know, it makes so yep. much sense for him to, if you know now, go ahead and do it. And, and, and don't wait for well, no, it's no also drama. Like if, yeah, I think it also hits different. Like if Sark calls Ruben Owens and says, "Like we're going to keep re- recruiting you and we're, and all that," like that's cool. But like if Arch Manning calls Ruben Owens and is like, "Why are you going to Louisville? Like what are you doing, dude? Like <laughs> let's team up." Like I think that has a different effect. Totally. Yeah, I think it's when, when it's not coming from when it's not coming from the coach that you've heard it from a million times. It does. It does resonate. I, I likened it. I was having a conversation with a follower on Twitter earlier. I likened it to Kyler Murray in 2015. He, Max, you remember he got he got some guys. He got Christian Kirk to come to Texas A and M with mm-hmm. him. You know, he, he got Daylon Mack to come to Texas A and M with him, and he had that kind of juice. Arch but, but probably Sam, has. what else happened that year? That was the year that Malik Jefferson had to be the savior for Texas football, and he brought mm-hmm. all these big time recruits. In That's and, right. That's and right. And then they had to be good right away under Charlie Strong. You know, but hey, we the cycle continues. Yeah. Sam, and, no, go ahead. I know you're working on a story on, on AJ Milway. Milway, tell us. You know, I, he's a guy that you know. If you follow college football, you know the name. But what, what, uh, you know, future head coach? I'm assuming. What, what, what about him? Do you think that really connected with Arch and that family? I think. It, I think it's really two things. A, he was consistent in, in terms of communicating. Uh, you know, Nelson Stewart told me, and I wrote this in in my piece earlier today, is that the two times that he was able to go visit him in the spring evaluation period. AJ got there so early that he beat Nelson Stewart there and that he was, he was, he turned the weight, weight room lights on. Like it, that, that's how on top of it he was. And he, he was con- in constant communication, calling him all the time. Uh, but also just, I went back to the part about the install and the offense, talking X's and O's with him and really building a relationship with him just organically, you know, sitting in the, let him, letting him sit in the quarterback room and just seeing how he works, how, how he tutors, uh, you know, the, the last year when Arch went in June, you know, you got to work and work with him at the camp in, in June. And, uh, I, I talked to Terry Bowden earlier, uh, who, who AJ Milley worked with for a lot at, at Akron and, and in North Alabama. And Terry said, he's, he's a terrific teacher. He's got a grateful IQ. AJ was a successful quarterback himself he, he played a division two level because he's a smaller guy he wasn't sized to, to go power five but he was a two-time finalist for the harlan hill trophy at north alabama so he he is a quarterback he knows quarterback he knows how to teach it and he's he's a little bit more laid back he's a younger guy he's 36 you know he was a, he was an offensive coordinator at 26 
but he's a younger guy, and I think he can probably connect with Arch in, in a way that I think is going to really, really fit him in. And he's not an in-your-face type. He's not like Jimbo Fisher who's going to be, you know, wear you out and, you know, cuss you out on the camera and all that stuff. Like, AJ's a much more reserved, you know, he's going to be a lot more laid back and and analytical, instructional. And, and I think that, I think Arch and, and the Manny's really fed off of that. I think and that, that really helped him. He's a young guy, too. I yeah. Mean, pretty relatable. Yeah, so so I think I think that is really what helped them build that relationship. I think I think his his demeanor and the way he goes about things really won them over. Is this good for college football? Yeah, I think so, absolutely. Because because if he goes to Georgia, Alabama, and it's nothing wrong if he goes to Georgia, Alabama, but they're already national championship programs, and I'm not necessarily of the belief that Texas has to be good. I know there there are some people who would say, well, you want these programs to be good, and it makes it more interesting. I think there is something to it. It does make it more interesting. And if Texas can get back to being a good, consistent winning program, especially as they go into the SEC, it makes the SEC that much more interesting when they go in. Because right now, if they if they win in the SEC right now with the roster they have today, it's not going to go well. It's just not. They're not there yet. They're not ready yet. This could possibly spark this 23 class for Texas and get them into a talent tier uh, and you got the top five class last year. You got seven offensive linemen, eight defensive linemen. If you can bring in a bunch of high-level guys again this year, put in another top five, maybe even a top three class on the heels of this Arch Manning commitment, then you're starting to stack the talent you need to compete in the SEC when you get there. That, I, and that's ultimately, at the end of the day, is that, that's what's most important for him. And Sam, you wrote about this today. I think that's an underrated part of this whole equation. Texas finished with their class 22 class and with the offensive line flurry. I mean, it's one of maybe the best offensive line class when you're four and eight and people are questioning your program, how do you sell a quarterback? You, you point to the recruiting class before and all the four and five stars. And uh, I think that is vastly underrated part of the equation you, you brought up in your story. Yeah, no, it's you, ha- you have to, you have to show a plan. And that, that was one thing that I think they noticed in the Manning camp was that there's a plan. There's a vision the they did Sark. This was Sark's first full class. He only really got to sign four guys in the previous class. One of them was Xavier Worthy. So the the offensive line stunk. So we signed seven offensive linemen, and we've got Kyle Flood, who we believe is a tip top offensive line coach. And then we've got eight defensive linemen because we know, and Sark has been in the SEC. He knows what those guys look like, and you know, you know what you need. So that that's that's ultimately how when you're five and seven, you've got to sell a vision. This is how we're going to do it. And that's ultimately that. That's the only thing you can do because you can't say we've done it. We've been there. They have, but it was well before Arch could, you know, throw a football. I mean, the last time they they won a national championship was 2005, and the last time they've been in one was 2009. So, um, so so they they had to sell a future vision for making this happen. I'm, I'm picturing a world right now. Go ahead, Max. I was going to say it, it. It does kind of buy time. I feel like just this the just the 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 idea that Arch is coming. For Sark, like for Sark, like you can agree, hundred percent. You can play Kelvin Banks and all these freshman offensive linemen this year, and and play Quinn and and sort of. I'm not saying they're going to tank this year or anything like that, but like you can go through the freshman stuff that you need to go through this year to try and build this thing up for when Arch gets there, and you can kind of shrug and be like, "Yeah, we're not that good yet, but we're young and we've got you know the the best recruit of all time coming along here." So like, I think it kind of gives you a little bit more. I know that like Texas fans aren't you know, the most patient folks out there, but like, I think it does give you kind of that excuse for year two a little bit. Like let's go young, knowing that we're trying to build this thing up for Arch and for the sec in the same way that you guys were talking about earlier, Quinn Ewers decommitting expedited the end of the Tom Herman era. 
getting Quinn Ewers back and getting Arch Manning, I think, buys time, like you said, for Sark with a question. I was just thinking of a world when Mitch asked, uh, is this good for college football? Okay, so Dante Moore, the quarterback dominoes are falling. The five-star quarterback out of Michigan, apparently he's got a bunch of momentum to Oregon now. Um, you got Malachi Nelson going to USC. Uh, you have the AM class that they signed last and year. Rashida, Rashada and Rashada's to, might looks, go to Miami. Like Miami. It seems like, and like now picturing a world where Texas signs a mega class because of Arch, like, like in that world, like if all those, is it possible for Miami, Oregon, Texas, Texas A&M, USC, and one other school that I'm forgetting about right now to also be awesome. I mean, Texas the Tech, time. they just don't have recruiting zone, right? Yeah, 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 Texas Tech. I mean, <laughs> Notre, like, Notre Dame. Is it, is it even possible? Like, are there enough players for everybody to be awesome at the same time? It's like, I don't know if this is like a COVID thing or this is something that uh, people said before, but can you flatten the curve of how many <laughs> top 100 players go to the same five schools? Like, what if there were 11 schools that got seven top 100 players and then the and then, then uh, 12 through 15? Like, could you like, is that the right way to put it? Ari, Flatten Ari, the curve? I'm going to blow your mind here. What if we had an 18 playoff where more people got to compete for national championships? <laughs> I don't think that or that even would 12. flatten the curve. I think that it would just mean there'd be more blowouts at the beginning of the year <laughs> or at the beginning of the thing. But I think what if more programs had a path to a national championship? The, the, the era of the superpower yeah. is recent where, you know, we've always had better teams than other teams. But I think in the last you know, guys tell me I'm wrong, but I think it's more in the last six, seven years with the emergence of Alabama being so good. And some of these Georgia teams, you know, maybe USC in the, in the two thousands, but it's, it's recent that we've had one or two teams so much better than the rest of the field. Is that irreversible though? Like, cause like, yeah, I think it is. And yeah, a team, playoff in Nothing's the current forever, setup Ari. like an 18 playoff in the current setup is not interesting to me an 18 playoff in 2001 might have been you know when teams when team eight actually has a chance in hell of beating team team one you know um and i don't know maybe there everybody has a different opinion about this, don't you fall you're a big college baseball fan Ari Ole miss uh, last team in the field uh they're about to compete for a national championship was that tonight yeah they, they qualified mm-hmm. Today. Yeah, they advanced okay. To the I'll, I'll yeah. thank Britt for being late, so you guys could finish that game. If you did, no, it was over. Um, like it was a quick game. It was, it was a pitchers oh. duel. It was like two and a half hours. But thanks. You know, there's a pitchers duel in college baseball. It was three. To I saw three somebody to... pop out to 400 feet over the left center the last time I watched it with you. <laughs> and you lost 100 bucks on it. Yeah, I just bet on Vanderbilt because Mitch likes Vanderbilt, and I watched three <laughs> guys miss the ball completely and hit home runs. And I was like, oh, I'm out. He thought the game was seven. He, Max, he thought the game was seven innings. He thought Oregon State won it with a walk off in the bottom of the seventh. He texted me. He's like, What? It's not over. I thought it was a walk-off. I, I thought it was a walk-off. Well, because I I, it's in, nine innings. I covered but. college uh, softball. I didn't know if it was like that. Uh, in yeah. But yeah. It, the question, though, is like, are you a person that thinks that the 18 playoff fixes the problem first? Or do you think you have to fix the problem before the 18 playoff makes sense? I think it helps. I don't think it fixes it. I think giving more teams access over a five-year – Penn State's the program I always use. If you give a team like Penn State more access and they make – two playoffs over five years that helps their recruiting pitch you you say there's four or five programs like that if those programs get two or three more top 100 kids a year over time it flattens your flattens I, I i i may be completely wrong about this and and we'll we'll find out here in five ten years or whatever but like i do i do believe that like let's use that example mitch if Penn State can sell kids on being a playoff program as opposed to a Rose Bowl program, like I think that's gonna make a difference. But of all the all the sales pitches that kids get pitched, how much do you think going to the playoff is on that list? I'd, I'd argue that it's like number five. 
Like it's not like people are like, oh well, I get to go to Georgia and maybe I'll get to make the playoff one day. I, I think, think you're. I, I think you're, draft. I think it's a bigger deal. You guys only care about top 100 prospects. Like among the top 100 prospects, that is like not number five on the list. That's much. What higher. would be the? What would? I don't know. I, I, I think, think it's much higher, Ari. It, it's win. It's, it's relationship get, with coaches, NFL draft history, location, and win. geography, relationship with coaches. We're in the portal era, buddy. What are yeah, you talking no, I, about? But I think that we're just talking about Arch Manning committing to Brian Kelly. Brian Kelly signed players. Your, your guy, Brian Kelly. It's not relationship with players. No. I, I I guess I just don't think that all of a sudden Penn State guys want to win. Playoff. I mean, if you go look at every team that's right. already I'll, made the playoff, right, they have none of them have had a, an uptick in recruiting after. Is Washington blowing the doors off after they made it? Did Oregon? Did any all of the right. teams that made it in the fourteen playoff era have better recruiting than Michigan? They're getting their ass kicked right now. All right, why the are there why are there super teams in the NBA? Because guys want to win. They want to go play with other. Why would we're talking oh, about Arch Manning getting rich? I'm really having come. to convince you of this. I'm yeah, blown yeah, away. like what we're just talking about Arch being able to draw guys with him. Why would they want to come with him? Because he's a pretty damn good player, and they want to yeah, win. Yeah, yeah. And so they, yeah. So so that, yeah. So that that's the thing. So yeah, is it the number one thing? No. For some guys, it may be nil. For some guys, it may be it's nil NFL. Yeah, and winning. And play, and I think see, those I think are the three I think it's NFL, NIL. No, yeah, no, eh. it depends on Different. who it is. At, at the present moment, NIL. I mean, we are talking well. about the yeah. best player in the history of recruiting going to a program that hasn't had a first round pick as an offensive player since Vince Young. So, I mean, maybe it is, maybe it's not NFL. But like it. it uh, by the way, and I don't know how that turned yeah, into a playoff go, yeah, debate, but uh, I'm wondering how that's even remotely possible. That Texas has gone that long without luck, is, like some guy just randomly improb- being a- improbable. Yes, <laughs> if you right. go look at like the first Lower round Texas offensive fans. players taken this year, there's like three FCS guys in there. It's like, right. how do you like not even just like back, especially because they've recruited well? It's like that is the most mind blowing stat I've heard in in a long time. When somebody told me that, was it you, Sam? Yeah. Well, and that, that's why Art, what Arch like also represents, um, and and th- this will be the thing that you know <laughs> is going to be so fun to to watch. Arch is is really this an, an, another, but really it's, it is a golden opportunity for Texas to get its shit together. Like you've done the perfect job of selling this guy on the perfect vision of what it could be, and and now you have to make it real. Yeah, now you have to actually go do the thing, and boy you better get it together before 2025 or whenever it is that you go into the sec the, the funny thing is you bring up vince young that's the last time they've landed a number one recruit overall in the country was 2002 when vince young signed and, and it ended in a national championship uh i don't know that that'll happen here but certainly if you if you can increase the talent level you help your chances max when did you live in austin what years uh 2012 to 2019 Okay, so you're a little young, but I, I'm just thinking like how much oxygen we, sp- how much time we spend in the last two years talking Texas A&M recruiting and now Texas recruiting. And I remember the Dennis Francione days, and I'm, and Sam, what was this this game? Oklahoma, sixty-five nothing or whatever, seventy-seven they, nothing in through three I'm, quarters. Yeah, and, and just how. <laughs> What a debacle that was. And then Ari's stat about Texas not having a, you know, they've had some good teams, but just how irrelevant these two programs, which should never be irrelevant, were for off and on for a decade. And now they're just, we can't not talk about them. <laughs> yeah. And, and the thing is, is that for AM, the SEC did a lot for it. It was not, it was yep. the SEC and also the and perfect Johnny. storm of Johnny. Yep. And Kevin Sumlin and Cliff Kingsbury that first year, going eleven and two, winning the Heisman. 
that created a buzz and a way for them to recruit and eventually build this roster. It took time. It took time to get the roster in SEC level. And that's what I think I keep saying for Texas fans. I think it, it's hard to understand until you're actually in it. It takes time to build the depth and, and the talent level that you need in that conference, especially with as now as it's going to, it's going to be with, with Oklahoma joining as well. But but it, it does a lot. It creates a lot of buzz, and, and everybody wants to play. They want to win, and they also want to play with the best, and and that's the best teams are going to be in the SEC for the most part. So, uh, that yeah, it, it has been up and down for both of those programs. A&M has been a, a kind of an uptick as of late and, and has feels like it's found its footing in the SEC. Texas is still trying to figure it out. But if you get this right and you get the talent right and you start moving back in the direction, like Max said, it's a chance for you to figure it out finally and, and set yourself back on a, on a direction to where all the Texas fans believe the program should be. But they also need to just figure out a way to like, you know, th- this is not, I'm sure you can think of like a business analogy for this Ari, but like they need to just figure out a way to like win nine games a year first. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. they just need to figure out like, can we just, can we just do like eight to 10? Can we get pretty steady at that? Before Consistently. We- I just beat the teams are supposed to. Don't well, lose sure. to Kansas. Don't lose to Kansas. Yes. Yeah. Well, sure, but then you go in the SEC and and what are the games you're supposed to win, right? Like, yeah, I don't know, like, man. That part's going to get tougher, but like they they need to figure out a way to to not just like like I understand everyone wants to get to the to the mountaintop here, but like they need to figure out a way to just get back to the MAC level of can we can we win eight, nine, ten, eleven games a year and and do or or like even just like what you've seen with like Kirby Smart in Georgia right where like yes they finally got to it at this point but they built something real from year 1 to today to get there where you're you're in the mix every year they need to figure out a way to have just like sustainable high level success because it can't just be all or nothing all the time in in year 2 or year 3 of the whoever the coach is As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. You know, they, they lost to Kansas, West Virginia, and Iowa State last year. Let's start by not doing that. Let's start, let's start by not having a, 
a circus. And like I said, they've only had they've only got to ten once since 2010. They've only got ten win one time in that span. That you've got to get to like you said nine or ten. Like Ari, I know covering Ohio State, like I, I, I definitely get like there's like a, a certain frustration that comes with like, man, you're so talented and you lost that one game a year that you you couldn't lose or you you didn't play, you know, you you blew it in the playoff or whatever. Like Texas needs to just like like Texas would kill to be at that level where there's that one game a year that's that's really bothering you, mm-hmm. but but they're doing everything else right. You know what I mean? Yeah. No matter yeah. how dysfunctional it is, just to get to that like just to get stuck on that plateau would be huge progress for Texas. And they actually have to borrow your work, like that runway for it. Like they're, it's not like they're, I don't know. Understand you guys are far more, uh, you know, knowledgeable and have covered the big 12 a lot longer than I've been living in Texas, but the big 12 just seems like the hardest conference in the country to go undefeated in for whatever reason. Like every gambling spread is three. Like, I don't know why it just always is. And like these games are close and it's always, a high scoring game and then you have that weird low low scoring game every now and then but it's just like when you look at the actual schedule with the talent that Texas has compiled dismissing anybody they might face in a given year in the non conference who why should they be losing to any of these teams like it, it's if you ranked like the strength of schedule of every power 5 conference Pac 12 would be at the bottom SEC would be at the top Big 10 would probably be number 2 and then you can argue about ACC and Big Twelve for number three and four, right? So, like, what? Yeah, like it's easy to forget. Like Baylor, you remember Baylor's saying, like, awesome. Baylor yeah, I mean, absolutely was not supposed to win the Big Twelve last year. Like that was yeah. not anyone's expectation. Like they were supposed to take a nice little step in year two. But if you're like the team that is experienced and finds a way to just survive close games, like that's how you win the Big Twelve now. You know, and Texas just needs to like get to a point where they have experienced teams that are like actually tough and have gone through stuff like Baylor did last you know, last year and, and end of the rule era and all that, like Texas needs to like get to having those veteran teams that can just survive those games that, yeah, on paper they should win based on, you know, 24 seven team talent and all that, but it ends up being a one score game in the last five minutes. And this Baylor like the Big Bay- 12 is like the most unpredictable conference as it comes to results. Yeah. Like if you guys do the state of the programs and you look at the big 12 teams, it's just like every single one of these teams are like, did you guys see that game X from last year? Mm-hmm. We're building something like everybody. Yeah. And now yeah. you take and no disrespect to Brent Venables because I think he's going to be successful. But like, yeah. And, and when you take Lincoln Riley, who was like kind of the constant out of the conference, then yeah, it, like this year especially does feel like really hard to sort of pin down like who's who's supposed to win the league this year. All right, so I want to ask you a couple things before you head out. I want to ask you guys a question. This is kind of a, it's one game. For some reason, I didn't watch much of it. I don't know if maybe Ohio State was playing or you know Washington couldn't have been playing, but it's small sample size. But wa- Texas goes to Arkansas last year, gets run off the field. Sam, I assume you watched the game. Max, I was there. Yeah, okay. Did you somewhere? This is a difficult question, but like take the names off the uniforms. Would you walk away from there and go, man, that team in red was so much better? Or was it just the Texas wasn't ready for the moment, the crowd? Because my point is, we're talking about how Texas, they just need to get to a certain level where they're going to a conference where you got a program like Arkansas, which should not be competing with Texas, but Arkansas is probably better than they are now. You've got so so many programs like that. That's a funny example. Sam, why don't you tell them about the QB1 situation for Arkansas? Because because honestly, it does pertain to sort of this this arch situation now. The QB one situation. Who was the quarterback at Arkansas last year? Now I'm trying to no remember. for no at Texas going in the yeah. Arkansas game. Oh yeah, yeah. Hudson Card was the starting quarterback, yes. and he had that really good game against 
Louisiana, Louisiana Lafayette, yeah. and looked great. I was like, I remember thinking, wow, optimism. This is a good looking quarterback. And then it was like it was a very professional win for the it new was, staff. It like was, in, it in was, the first game. it's a good team. It was, it was, and the team that Andy was convinced was going to beat Texas too. Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. they, they, they Not went into matters, Arkansas, but. and that crowd and that atmosphere, it was a little too much for everybody. And and Hudson Carr that shouldn't happen to Texas. Yeah, it, it it shouldn't. But Hudson looked a little deer in the headlights. The offensive line was not good that field, night, though. In that yeah, setting, it, yeah, it, it it was it was a they got eaten alive by that atmosphere. Like it was just too much for them. Like the run defense was awful. Everything like Arkansas was that much better at that moment. Yes, without question. But should they have won? You know, forty four to sixteen or whatever the score was. Like on a normal day, no. I think some of that had to do with the buzzsaw that Texas walked into because Arkansas had had that game marked on the calendar and there's a lot of hate uh, in Arkansas yes. for the, for Texas, for the Texas Longhorns. They, they rushed the field after the win. You know I mean? It's, yeah. it, it was unbelievable. So I think there was a little bit of that emotion playing into that result and why it turned out that way, because you look at in max, but you, by, you but by the end of that game, so Hudson card is the dude. He's the mm-hmm. dude after week one. Mm-hmm. He throws for 61 yards at Arkansas. And by the end of game two, he's not the starter anymore. That's right. Casey Thompson. (laughs) And so, and then it's Casey Thompson's turn. And so like, that's just, and part of that is youth, obviously. And just sort of expecting a guy to be a stud as a redshirt freshman. And, and you go into tough environments and obviously the SEC is full of them. Um, Part of that is just sort of thinking like, well, they're just, they're more talented or they're as talented. And that's, you know, that's not totally where Texas is at yet. They were. They just weren't. They weren't. They weren't there on the line of scrimmage yet. Texas. No. Texas was not. Oh, up front. Not, not, sure, that, no. That's where the difference was in that game was, and that's where that's why this recruiting class for Texas has seven offensive linemen, eight defensive linemen, because that was the night that I think Sark understood fully. We ain't there yet, and we need we need to figure out a way to get there really quickly. All right. If you guys have anything else, feel free to chime in. But I've got one simple question for all three, and I'll answer two. Uh, before we head out, anything else? Are we good? I was just looking. I mean, you're uh, the host here, guy. So well, I know. That's I'm asking. I don't <laughs> want to cut you <laughs> off. Did, we got we got a lot of smart guys out. here. I I did like one of my favorite things to do with recruiting is like so after Arch committed to Texas, I did make sure to go check the Georgia message boards and see what the response they didn't was. Want them. They didn't need and them. guess what, guys? Arch actually sucks. <laughs> they, <laughs> just, it was Arch funny is going to go end see up that. the starting quarterback at Tulane. In He's no Gunner Stockton. Let's be out. honest, guys. Yeah. He's no Gunner Stockton. So yeah. it's it's I, I do always kind of love that tradition of you're a lurker. It's just you're like a that, that breakup lurker. effect yeah. of like we he actually sucks and we actually never wanted him. Yeah. <laughs> I love good I love getting there to recruit him. I love fans' reactions to recruiting losses. Uh, you guys were talking about the win eight or nine consistently. The last time Texas won at least eight games three straight years was 2011 to 2013 under Mac Brown. Wow. That's crazy. That's the last time they've won at least eight. Not nine, not ten, eight. They won eight, three in a row. Uh, that's the last time they've had a streak I that am long. such a dope. <laughs> what are okay. these stats like i mean like I, 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 it's like i'm an i'm gonna say okay. i'm an well, asshole like meanwhile Baylor has six double digit win seasons since 2011 and three big toll championships we got some great sound bites from this Ari's yeah. like i'm a dope i'm an asshole <laughs> okay so let's ask this because i know this is this is an important measuring stick for y'all okay so what like and i want i want your answer on this first sorry what do you have to see 
like in a sustained way from Texas to feel like they are what they, what they can be that they're not, you know, like all the back Texas back memes aside, like what, what does Texas have to do over a multi-year period for us to be like, yeah, Texas can hang with, you know, the actual contenders in this sport. I think I would like to see them um, sign top six classes during that period because that's not what they do in the field max it's what they sign no i mean i you're talking about what i want me to see of what to make me feel good about them that's that's so funny to say that because that is like in my experience covering texas like that is kind of the mentality it's like the recruiting beat is more interesting than the team beat the the recruiting results are more interesting than the team results i mean sam said it himself on the show he said if they were to join the sec right now they wouldn't be out of their league right yeah so how do you address that? There's only one way to address that. And I guess maybe through the portal, you can get some guys. I mean, they got Quinn in the portal, but I, I'd want to see just a, a it, it, the recruiting results aren't just like stars matter. And like, I'm freaking out. It's also like a way to gauge a program's temperature. In my opinion, it's like, if you're recruiting well, is there buzz or people thinking that you're headed in the right direction or people coming? See, I want to see, see but, that. But I was asking about on field. I, I, I should clarify. Yes, I, I was talking yes, about on okay. field success, but obviously that's not the way I would, people often measure Texas. You by, know what bo- you know? has bothered me when watching Texas, uh, as I've been humiliated, uh, <laughs> talking about how good they should be is that they always have a huge talent advantage, but for whatever reason, on when paper. they're playing the other big 12 game, the other big, yeah, on paper, you can never feel it. It never looks like they do. It always looks like it's an even game. Um, I would like to see them assert the talent they do have um, against the teams that have on paper less and win games uh, that they would have lost uh, three years ago. And that doesn't just mean, or last year even, it doesn't mean winning 65 to nothing and winning the way that Clemson does in the ACC when they're humming. I just want to see them eke out or, or win, gut out wins, against teams that are, are inferior talent wise by using you know that talent and maybe that means a few big plays down the stretch from guys that were highly recruited or you know maybe it means that it just over the course of time they just the athleticism you know over the four quarter period wins out i want to see them just take care of business you know and I, I feel like that's such a weird thing to say because it's just like at the places that we talk about so much on these podcasts just winning those games is just second nature and it's like I feel like Texas has to learn how to win yeah. those that, games. That would be first. the signal that something is changing. Yeah, yeah. yeah just win those. They don't have to go beat Oklahoma this year, and they don't have to go to the playoff. But just handle your business in all the games that you're favored in. For and for years, you know, my my previous life at Athlon and do these radio interviews, talking about the magazine, and you know, what what does a coach need to do to keep his job or whatever? And the the phrase I always use is like, not every eight and four record is created equally. Mm-hmm. You can be eight and four. And not very good. You can beat Kansas by three on a late field goal. You go up to Kansas State and look bad, but barely win. I want to see them eight and four, nine and three, and beating the teams they should beat by 17 points. Again, what I said, you don't need to blow them out, but just it, it looks like a better program. So you do that next year, you go eight and four, and your, your average margin of victory is 11 points, not three points. And then you, you slowly build off of that. I think that's what tangible progress looks oh, like. Wow. 17 yeah, point I, win. I just wanted to know what, what needed to happen for us for Ari to feel like I was right. Texas. Yeah. Oh, I think I you know what right. needs to happen for the me to feel like I'm right. For National them to rock title. shit for an entire year and make the playoff. Okay. Yeah. Like, like, in my, cause I, yeah. Not just like, oh, they're on the right track. Maybe they'll be good one day. Like my <laughs> man, manif- the manifestation of like Texas being what I think they, they have the potential to being is being one of the six best teams in America that have a chance to win a title every year. Okay. And, I, and I, I feel like USC also has that same potential. 
you know, and I feel like those two teams are in different states, but they're the same. I need so. to see him get back, get back in the Big 12 championship game or at least be in the mix for it at the very end, just for a couple of years. Like they don't not, not only think it has to be this year. I think if they go eight and four this year, that's good progress. But after that, you need to be contending or getting in the Big 12 championship game until you leave the conference consistently. And if you can do that, because again, I go back to they haven't won eight games in three straight years since Mac Brown. That's if you can consistently be a Big 12 factor for the rest of your time and you're in this conference, then I'll have some confidence that you're moving in the yeah. right direction. There's stability that we don't have to talk about Sarkeesian's job status. We don't need to talk about, you know, uh, Bo Davis videos leaked from the bus and, <laughs> you know, Mm-hmm. monkeys and all this other stuff like it just needs to be <laughs> forgot uh, about the monkeys yeah i, I, I forgot I said, about that too I, I i i said this when i was we me and andy talked about the same program like, last year but i mean I last like, what? week but, but it needs to not be a circus at texas it just Literally. needs to be a boring mm-hmm. yes like, yeah it needs to be a boring eight and four season this year just no drama when the games are supposed to Make progress, improvement in the win column. Go to a bowl game, maybe win your bowl game. Go nine and four, and then next year, go get yourself in the Big Twelve championship game before here's you the, leave the conference. Here's the problem that I have, because I have this fantasy that Quinn Ewers <laughs> will just be a, a Heisman finalist <laughs> next year and they'll be awesome. But like, I can't. Do you have like future bets too? Like, no, 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 no. I, I don't like being an idiot with my money. Okay. I like to just talk yeah. crap on podcasts. But I've, <laughs> so, I said in the middle of last year when Texas lost to Kansas, I like went on Andy's show and I said, you know what? That's it. I'm out. <laughs> I did. Quit. I remember listening to that. You broke How up. can I? But if Texas, the thing that scares me about this is That's that if it. Texas actually ever gets good, I can't claim it if I'm out. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, gotta, I guess, so are you out or not right now? Uh, exactly. You got to make the decision. Yeah. Interact. Yeah, Mitch, Mike, can you guys drop in the, the Godfather scene here? Or... <laughs> Every time I'm out, they pull me back. All right. Pull okay. We're going to end with this. We're going to end with this. <laughs> 2000 it's it's okay it's the year is 2023 it's week seven it's 82 degrees in austin i don't know who they're playing because i don't have the schedule max olson who's the starting quarterback for the texas longhorns it's 65 degrees in provo i'm gonna correct (laughs) you there okay (laughs) (laughs) it could be in houston max answer the question who's the starting quarterback in the middle of 23 yes Okay, I'll go first. In the middle of 23, I'd say Arch Manning. I say Quinn Ewers. I say Quinn Ewers. In the middle of 23, I think he's still starting. I think Arch plays in red shirts, plays four games. And uh, I mean, answer, answer the question, but Sam. No, no, it's, it's you know, Quinn. Red. It's Quinn. It's Quinn. Ari, I don't th- this, I don't is, think it's this Quinn. is the biggest moment of your life, Ari. Cade Klubnik. <laughs> 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 that's how this that stuff. Awesome <laughs> but this is how this is how stuff goes, though, guys. We've spent so many yeah. times. Like I've spent ten years yeah. on podcasts trying to to uh, like Tate Martell podcasts, guys. <laughs> yeah, and it's just like Justin Fields is the quarterback. So like I've like learned over the course of ten years of trying to lay out the perfect red carpet of how it's going to look like that it literally not once has ever mapped out the way that you think it will be. I think that the safe answer would be Quinn yours uh, because you, your hope is that he is who he's supposed to be. And if he is who he's supposed to be, then that's the way it works out. But if it's Arch Manning, then you're going to have more Texas anarchy. And I think I'm going to say Arch. Okay. So it's, it's like, but you're right. There's like a, 
it, Sam, isn't there like a non-zero chance the answer is like Jalen Milrow? You know what I mean? Like, like something <laughs> that's not even available at the moment. Is Hudson but, Card still have eligibility in, in yeah, 23? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Like, of course, y'all think he's like playing for SMU by then, but like he may be the guy at Texas. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I would love to know. I would love no, to know. It's actually going to be Preston Stone at Texas. That's right. Could be. <laughs> I, I would love to know how Hudson Card is have been doing today and how i mean he's been listening to us let's talk about quinn all this last few months and now we're talking about two of the top quarterback hey, uh, recruits of all time coming to that's right. okay all right all right if you're in that room and they're like hey hey um just just let you know we're gonna you know quinn just hit the portal we're gonna recruit him are you like okay cool 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 hey by the way arch is coming oh yeah. cool cool all right yeah, <laughs> i love competition cool. i love competition. is that how you'd react if they're telling you hey these I two do- guys are coming to take I- everything from you I kind of feel like once Quinn came, it was already out of the bag. Like, what's this yeah. going to do? Like, you know, yeah, Casey Thompson read the room on that one and was <laughs> like, okay, hmm, yeah, I see. I see what's going on here. Also, I think being SMU starting quarterback is a pretty great, a pretty great gig because they play in a really fun offense. You get to play yeah. in Texas and you can get drafted. I mean, didn't Shane Bouchelle get drafted? I don't he's know if he got league. drafted, but he's, he's in the a lot league. of a lot of rookie cards flying around in the in the football card market yeah. that I've seen. But he's in the he's on the Chiefs, right? He's in the league. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, so, oh, I don't so, know. I'm not nothing wrong with SMU. Pony up, baby, and they've got hey, they're, they're they're putting out Transams on the on the Twitter account now, so they're they're getting the band back together, baby. Let's go. Okay, now let me be like really really morbid and, and uh, unnecessary to finish this. Okay, okay. If Arch Manning gets to Texas, and regardless of who's playing quarterback there. If Arch Manning gets to Texas and by the end of his first semester there, he's like, this place is just like a circus. It's a shit show, right? Like, don't you think that guy and his family are packing their bags pretty quick? Like, I, I'd like to believe that Arch Manning is in this for three, four years, but like the way things are now, and like we never could have foreseen that Caleb Williams would leave Oklahoma, right? Like stuff happens that you just can't, you can't, you can't anticipate from day one. Um, Justin Fields, same thing, right? But like, if he gets there and it's not what he thinks it is, like how long is he really going to stay there when every coach in the country is going to be telling him like, Hey, don't, don't, what, what are you doing there? Get out of there. Yeah. I, I, I think, think he's to recognize it. Yeah. It's unanswerable. Like Sam said, but I, I think he, he of all people, I think it's your point, Max. He, he would be able to recognize it. Like he's like, this is true. The way it's supposed true. To be. Yeah. It would be hard to, it would be hard to BS him on that. I suppose. Once yeah. I, 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 think, I, I think that's why it took so long in this process is because, uh, to, to hopefully alleviate that, like you said, I, I agree. I think he's probably in it for the long haul. But yeah, if if you have a circus like you did this year, yeah, I I, I wouldn't imagine that's a conducive environment that the Mannings would want to be around. So, do you think during Arch Manning's next recruitment, he'll talk to the media? He's going to sign with Willie Fritz. <laughs> uh, <laughs> We're at the joke man. phase of the podcast now, yeah. right? Let's all have yeah. a good time. So all right. Well, now, I, I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm just saying, like, I yeah. feel like Texas did all the right stuff here to convince him to commit. I feel like they're going to have to continue to like. You know, like when you have company over, like kind of keep the house, keep the house clean. Like for I when said, he gets a here, bore, you know? a boring 2022 can get you really in good shape for they, 2023. They convinced Arch to go on the date. Now at dinner, they just can't, you know, yeah, throw up all over the place, or you know, can't get too drunk and and, and throw <laughs> up. So, all right, Ari, since this is technically still Stars Matter, your job on Stars Matter is to take us out. Can you do that? Oh well, M- M- Mitch, what was the last thing you had for us? There was something you're that was it. The- it was the Didn't have any it trivia. Was, it was well. The trivia was going to be about is he the first guy in the two four seven era, but I just kind of read it as a fact. Um, so the thing I had was the week seven two thousand twenty three who was going to be the starting quarterback at, at Texas. Oh, okay. So, right. Ari, you guys are so money. It was really a pleasure talking about this with you. 
Um, Battle Stars Matter. Thanks. We'll catch you next week. Yeah.